good to be in church today. It's good to be in a place where we don't really know why, but God chooses to meet us here. So we keep coming back. We're a family that's gathered, so we just keep coming back. Thankful for a God that's faithful in our faithlessness. Thankful for a spirit that meets us in this place. Well, if you weren't with us last week, as we started our dive into Ephesians, I want to catch you up just a little bit and share a little bit of my week with with you that were here last week. So uh, if, if you were here last week, we talked about Ephesians chapter 1, and essentially Paul says that, that the will of God for us is unity, not division. That division is the opposite of the will of God. And then he talks about that's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit's a gift that we can't forget about, that we should always be worshiping and thankful for. Well, I use the example of... When I was a kid and the Nintendo Wii came out, right? You remember this? I shared the story and got to play it, got to try it out. Then when I got home, I just had to have it. So waited patiently, had it. My life was changed for about a week and then things were back to normal and I was a bored kid, right? It was a gift that grew old. Well, I have to share with you this week that uh, I received a text Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday morning, from Alyssa. If, you, if you're unaware, our church operates a thrift store, and uh, Alyssa sends me a picture of thing Wednesday morning and says, Looks what, look what was donated. If somebody did not donate a Nintendo Wii this week to the thrift store. So my wonderful wife, who works right next door, heard about the Wii. She came home with an Aldi bag, and was like, I got you something, and I was like, it's from Aldi. Like, how do you get a surprise from the grocery store? But sure enough, I opened it and there it was. The Nintendo Wii. And I should have timed it, but I think I beat my old record. Less than three minutes, it was set up. And let me tell you, the technology has come a long way. You know, I had to do the, the red, the yellow, and the white plug-in. It wasn't HDMI, and we pulled it up, and Brittany and I were both kind of like, whoa. Like, you can see all the pixels, and, you know, we, we played Wii Bowling, and, you know, it was great. But I just, I had to share that after last week. Just had to share. And, you know, we probably won't ever play it again. We played it that one night, and I told Patty, I said, we'll probably donate it right back, and you can sell it again. But after last week, we just, we had to get it and play it for, you know, a whopping 15 bucks and, but, oh, and then we, we had some good discussions in small groups this week and so just, I ask again, if, if you want to get about 60% of this, show up at 10.30 on Sunday mornings and, and we're going to work through about half a chapter each week, maybe a little more, but if you really want to dive into the whole book of Ephesians, we're going to be doing that with our small groups. And so I invite you to, to meet with those. Um, I was just encouraged from reports this week of small groups. And, and also, I just must say, there's plenty of room for, in our small groups. So come on out. We need you. You make us better. So Paul begins this second chapter a lot like he began chapter 1. He reminds us again that we're part of a different story. 
We were dead in our trespasses and sin and when we were living according to the world, but thanks be to God, we were saved by grace through faith. Those first ten verses of chapter two are actually where our small groups will hone in this week. And, and so I figured in this time together, we would, chat, we would try to tackle the next section, uh, which is a little more interesting to say the least. Uh, we'll, we'll tackle things that it brings up like circumcision, the law, and, and a metaphor for the church that we like to sing about. But let's dive into Ephesians chapter 2 together this morning, beginning in verse 11. We'll start in verse 11 and we'll go to the end of the chapter. I invite you to stand. Um, and and I'd want to do a little housekeeping thing real quick. We, we've kind of sort of halfway done this in the past, and I thought let's just clear the air and talk about it. So in the Old Testament, it was very important that the people of God had a reverence for the Word of God. And so oftentimes, even when the prophets would come up and open the scroll, the people would stand automatically. They wouldn't say, please stand. So a way that we can do that and honor the Scripture today is, as, and when I finish reading the Scripture, I'll say, this is the Word of the Lord, and we can all respond, thanks be to God. It might sound like an old school thing, but it's, it's, it's just out of reverence for the Scripture. And if we don't, if I don't say that, we're all going to kind of mumble it to ourselves and awkwardly think, what should I say? Should I say? Should I not say it? What's cool? So, so that's what we'll do at the end of the scripture today. But let's dive into Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly, formerly you who are childs by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that... At that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near." For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord, and we say, thanks be to God. You can be seated. So obviously, we have to continue the discussion that we began last week about unity, right? It just leads us there. But as we do, I want us to see some of these themes that seem to be kind of underlying here. I've talked about this a long time ago in a sermon, maybe two, but... It's not a word that's used every day here, so I want to talk about this just a little bit. So we have to remember that Paul is part of a society that thinks dualistically. So dual meaning two. 
So to Paul, and in his culture, there's only two options. It's basically what dualism means. There's good and there's bad. There's right and there's left. There's Yankees and there's the Mets. There's noodles and chili and there's no noodles and chili. There's Ford and there's Chevy, right? There's no in-between, right? Well, while we don't realize that we often fall into this dualistic mindset, we often hear the phrase, it's my way or the highway, right? That's two options. My way, or you can get out. You have two options, conform or leave. This is why we keep seeing Paul use all these different ways to explain what happened in Christ. He uses death to life, living in the spirit versus living in the flesh, circumcised versus uncircumcised, the dividing wall of the temple that separated Jew from Gentile, those who are far and those who are near, foreigners and strangers. All of these comparisons enforce what Paul is proclaiming that Christ did in society. So what I'm saying is, it, it sounds wordy when we read that whole section of scripture at one time, right? That was just a lot of words. But essentially what Paul is saying is kind of the same thing over and over. He's reiterating to us that Christ has brought unity, that these, these dividing things no longer divide us. Now, let's get into that part that would sound so strange to someone who had never been to church before. And as far as I can tell, there's not anybody here in that situation. Elizabeth's been here twice now, so she might have heard about this. But this passage bring, brings up circumcision. And, you know, that's usually just kind of easy. We just skip over that. And so I figured instead of that coming up deeply in small groups, I figured we'd just talk about it here. But circumcision in those days was something that Jews participated in out of a desire to follow Jewish law. It wasn't always meaningful. It was just what they did. It was their culture. The Gentiles, however, didn't really seem that circumcision was necessary, especially for salvation. The Jews did not enter into conversion with the Gentiles, into conversation about this with the Gentiles either. They'd rather just give them the nickname, as Paul said, the uncircumcised, to talk down to the Gentiles. All this to say that division went much deeper than just agreeing to disagree. The two sides belittled each other over their difference. Both sides were so sure that they were right, that the other side was lesser in their minds because they were at odds with one another. While this seems silly, we're so quick to fall into this trap. Are we not? Last year we saw people all across our country belittling others because of who they voted for. While we can easily let differences in opinion become division, we've got to fight against this by the power of the Spirit which Paul told us last week is our deposit to our inheritance. This may sound silly, but I have to provide an example of this beginning to creep into life. So on the 4th of July this year, I got to go down to my grandparents' house and um, down in Milledgeville, and while we were there, my cousin Frankie and, and some of us had to run to the store, and so we're in the car, and he was about to run into the grocery store, and, and he brought up uh, something that he had experienced in the grocery store just a few days before. So he was in one aisle, just, you know, meandering through the grocery store, and he hears arguing a couple aisles over, and he was kind of like, what, 
who argues in the grocery store? What is going on? So he slowly makes his way over, and they're not in that aisle. They're not in the next aisle. And he finally gets there, and as on his way over there, you know, he's no longer wondering. He's strictly just eavesdropping, right? What are these people bickering about? And he goes in there in the bread aisle, and wouldn't you know it, they were arguing over the question, is a hot dog a sandwich? So, it kind of sounds silly, right? Is a hot dog a sandwich? Well, well, my family can be rather analytical at some times. So, after he tells that story, then we spent well into an hour debating, is a hot dog a sandwich? We had to talk about categories that would classify something as a sandwich. Does, you know, do condiments or, or the thickness of the bread? Because then you talk about tacos. Are taco sandwiches? What do you do about a quesadilla? How about pizza? What about a calzone? Does that mean that pizza rolls are just sliders? This caused so much division. Now, thankfully, my family did not get in a heated debate about it. But as soon as we would kind of have grounds, someone would bring up something, and then we'd go, oh no, that ruins our argument, and we'd start over. So today, just for kicks, we're going to be dualistic. Either a hot dog's a sandwich, or a hot dog is not a sandwich, and I have, you have to raise your hand. So you get four seconds to think about it. All right. So all those who believe that a hot dog is a sandwich, please raise a hand. And raise confidently. A hot dog is a sandwich. Yes! That's exactly what I was hoping would happen. It's like 50-50. So all those who believe that a hot dog is not a sandwich, please raise your hand. Well, now that seems like more people. Some of you might have double voted. Now, really, what I really want to do after seeing these results is I want to get Christy up here and Gary up here and have them go at it because they voted differently. <laughs> but, but let's be honest here. If I said today we're going to debate if a hot dog is a sandwich, some of you have a very strong opinion about this already. And as I'm talking, your opinion is getting stronger. And so what would happen is, even just for fun, if I said, let's debate, and I had you get on different sides of the room and all that good stuff, at first it would start off as just a discussion. You know, we'd be talking. But eventually, some of you would have a fire lit under you. You would know that you were right, and the other team was wrong, right? And eventually, you would walk out of here thinking less of the other people. It's true. And, and it's, it's, it's sad to say that, but I hope that begins to see what Paul is talking about here. He's saying you're worried about these little things that are dividing you, and you're looking down on other people because of it. And now the scripture says nothing about hot dogs, but, but that's exactly what's going on here. Paul is saying, hey, hey, you guys are bickering. Quit. Just stop. And so we're just beginning to touch the surface of how Jews and Gentiles felt about each other. It's not even so much that they were worshiping a different God, but some thought the hot dog was a sandwich, 
And some thought it wasn't. And for that reason, they couldn't gather. Isn't that sad? Now, if we were in their shoes to back then, and we had all the centuries of, of, of family that t- trained us up in that way, it's, you know, we'd be in that same place. I'm not saying we're better. But I'm saying we just call the argument differently today, and we divide. We just give it a different name. We have to move on, but I want us to see that they're not any crazier than we are today. Being right and disconnecting from some people, let's be honest, it's just easier than swallowing your pride and loving everyone. Honestly, it is. It's easier to just, well, I'll disconnect from this person, and that's easier than swallowing my pride and recognizing that it doesn't matter. Paul's inviting us to see that in Christ, legalism no longer divides us, circumcision or no circumcision. We're now made one in Christ. Verse 15 tells us that in Christ, one new man is made. Circumcision of the heart is what matters. The fact that Christ has transformed our hearts is what we should be passionate about. This allows us to be one body, undivided, by that which is simply a difference of opinion. Paul claims that Jesus has enough peace for those who were extremely far away and for those that were near. This peace points us back to last week, the will of God being unity, and is only possible through the peace that Christ offers us. And guess what, church? There's enough of this peace for you and for the people with different opinions than you. There's enough peace for you and those on the other side. There's enough peace for the circumcised, for the slave, the free, the orphan, the widow, the outcast, and the foreigner. Foreigners and strangers, they're the next people that Paul mentions. In other words, Paul knows that subconsciously we all We classify people in two ways. There's people we know and people we don't know, right? And even back then, Paul knew that. But sadly, it seems that our nature to to get this subconscious idea that people that we already know have more significance or dignity than people that we don't already know. Again, sad but true. Just preaching the truth. So we, we oftentimes see... Someone we don't know, and they have a lesser meaning. Paul's telling us that this has got to be far from the truth. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I played soccer all the way up through high school. And something about a team is unifying, right? We, we were always one team, one unit. Um, but often what would happen is a, a few practices in or a few games in, this new kid shows up. You know, and, and I was always the kind of person that I never showed it, but I liked my team how it was. We kind of had things figured out. You knew who played what position. We, the team was good. We, I mean, we didn't win, have to win all our games, but I liked the team, right? We were a good crew. But then I looked as others embraced the new kid. And it was almost as if they thought that this new kid made us better. That we were a better team because there was this new person. And boy, I didn't really like that. 
But you see, I, I learned a lot from those other kids. That the new kid really does make us better. Those people in the grocery store that are bickering somehow make us better. The people that aren't in this room today, they make us better. Paul is saying that in Christ, every person matters. There are no more strangers, but we're all fellow citizens. We've got to learn what it means to really live this way. When someone new walks into your job, treat them like family. When the new kid sits down in the lunchroom, go treat them like family. And when the new person walks in and sits in your seat in this very room, recognize that we're better because that person is here. We are more like Christ because they're here. We make each other better no matter how introverted you are. Other people are important. And Paul closes out this chapter by culminating all this with comparing this new body that Christ has created to a building. He tells us that those that that we saw as foreigners are now citizens and they don't just remain acquaintances, but rather they're so important because we're all part of one building with Jesus as the cornerstone. A building missing some bricks, it can still serve a purpose, but it will still allow water to get in when the wind blows. And it can provide shelter, but our air conditioning is still going to get out. I think you get what I'm saying here. Last week, we talked about really unifying as a church and what that means. But this week, Paul's calling us to unify with those that are not yet a part of our church, and even further, with those that will never be a part of our church. We must live in unity with those people. Now, I want to clarify as we wrap up that... I'm not saying that we can't stand firm on our beliefs. I'm not saying that we can just forget about our doctrine and assume that everybody's right. But what I am saying is that the gracious God that allows us to be part of God's building is calling us to fight against division from things that are simply just a difference of opinion. Is Jesus the Son of God and the way to eternal life? Yes. And that is something that will cause us to believe differently than others, and it is absolutely crucial to our faith. But does one disagreement on an outward expression of our faith cause us to have grounds to belittle one another? As Paul would say, by no means. We continue to seek unity and long for God to bring us into unity as a church and our church into unity with our community around us. So today, if you have someone in your life that you have division with over something that's not worth it, today is the day of reconciliation. Today. Make that phone call. Write that letter. Go knock on the door. Because God did not give us this peace to live into partially, but fully. If you've been belittling someone, even if they don't know it, confront them. Seek forgiveness. Today is the day. We must begin to see that this unity causes change in our lives. If what's moving us in this room today is not changing what happens out of this room, then we're not following through with what God calls us to. So last week I talked, as we came to the table of the Lord and we had communion together, I used that illustration of Mr. Potato Head, right? 
Mr. Potato Head, he gets his body parts just scattered. Poor man. But by the end of the movie, the parts are brought back together. And that that's what happens when we take communion. That we are remembered as the body of Christ together. Well, this week we had an experience. um, So, Pastor Josh had reached out to some of us and he wanted to play Ultimate Frisbee. And so... uh, we met and, and in Oakwood at UNG Friday evening, and, uh, and pretty much a lot of people didn't show up. And so we only had about five people, and you really can't play Ultimate Frisbee with five people. So we all had our discs for disc golf, and it's there. So we were like, all right, we'll play disc golf. So we went off, and well, the disc golf course brought us back to where we were literally 10 minutes later. And that field was full of people throwing for Frisbee about to play ultimate frisbee and so we thought wow cool so we finished that hole and josh went over and you know said hey we you know we'd we'd like to play if you guys are and they they were like yeah come on come on join us well we got broken up into teams and uh we we get several rounds in and um and mark made the comment that i was the pastor of the church that that we all attended and um and the guy on our team goes oh i'm a pastor too and I thought, of course, that's what happens, right? You meet this random group of people. And, but he's connected with the Free Chapel uh, Gwinnett campus, and so we exchanged contact info. And, but I, I came away from that Friday night very sore and in pain. And yesterday, as I was recovering, I was thinking about the message for today and, and what in this crazy experience of meeting people that are a part of the body in this unexpected way. And, and it really drove this home for me. Last week, as we, we talked about Mr. Potato Head being regathered, I really was, I was thinking about us, the people in this room, being brought together as the body of Christ. But then Friday night happened, and it goes right along with where Paul is taking us today, that it's not us as the body of Christ that needs to be in unity but it's the whole body of Christ that has got to be in unity. And Friday night, we gathered around and the joy of competition, and that united us. But we were amongst people that we were united to in a much different way, in a much deeper way. And so today, I hope that takes us one step further in our dive in Ephesians, that we've got to stop bickering, and we've got to start uniting around what's important. You know, that pastor and I, we're going to get together and we're going to talk and we're going to just engage in life together and we're not going to argue. (laughs) Because there's no point. We believe that Christ is what matters. And I could talk another hour about that, but today I hope we see that, that Paul is calling us to unite with those outside of these walls just as strongly as those that are already in these walls. Um, Today we're going to close with a special time of prayer for our students and teachers and administrators and front office people in the church that that are involved in the schools. Um, Maddie, would you mind go stick your head in the kids' department and just let them know that we're ready for them? Um, So the kids are going to come in and we're going to pray for them. but we, we have so many people in our church connected to the school system. 
And, you know, I honestly miss going to school because it was such a great way to meet people outside of church, right? I mean, you just kind of get forced into meeting people. But there is a... There's a lot of chaos in our school systems, especially at the beginning of a year. And so we want to have this special time of prayer that, that there could be unity amongst our students and, and that those that go into the schools on behalf of our church would be united in Christ. And um, So uh, the kids are going to come in. You guys can come sit down on the front row here. Yeah, right. you can sit right here, Hannah. Just right across the front here. And again, as I said during announcements this week, we recognize that there's, uh, you know, COVID is real and there's things going on. So today we're not going to fully gather around the kids, but I do want to invite all of our teachers, front office people, professor, if you do anything in the education world, would you also come and sit on the front row um, and, and we want to pray for you and be an encouragement to you. Um, I mean, we have... Look at this. This is a lot of people in a group our size that are affected by decisions made by school superintendents. And, um, and so we want to pray for them this morning. So I invite you, as we pray... Again, we're not going to gather around just for the sake of social distancing, but uh, would you extend a hand, or would you even pray with your eyes open? Look, it's kind of awkward, but would you look at back of heads and recognize and, and pray for people specifically as we pray together? Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you today at church praying for our children. They go into the mission field every single week. And God, we just pray that you would encourage them, that you would continue to be a light in their hearts. Lord, that, that they would be able to share Jesus with people. And Lord, also that, that, that the, these classes would be meaningful to them and form them. God, may they find friendships that last a long, long time. Lord, may they know that each and every day you go with them that Jesus is with them in that classroom, that Jesus is with them in the lunchroom, that Jesus is with them as they play outside at recess. God, we pray for our teachers that are represented here today. And um, Lord, we have a wide range of teachers represented, but, but God, we pray for them as, again, as school systems have to make decisions on protocols and things, Lord, would you give them just the wisdom and understanding to to work and operate in the in the the realms that they've been given inside those walls lord may they be a light in our school systems and in our community god that that they would see that students would see something different in our teachers and and god we pray for our our those represented here that work in the front office and make schedules and god is that chaos is just miserable this time of year God we ask that you would bless them and give them peace and understanding as as things begin to roll and normalize as we get into this school year God ultimately Lord today we want you to be glorified through the lives represented here on this front row 
God, that, that each and every step of the way that your Holy Spirit would just wrap your arms around them. Lord, that, that you would be the reason that they can continue moving forward. So God, today as our church, as we've talked about, may we be united with one another. May we be united with the universal body of Christ that makes us one big family, that there are no more strangers and outcasts, but the, that we are all family, and that when we see that new kid, that they're family. We just haven't met him yet. So God, today we ask that, that the God that is able to do above and beyond far more than we could ever ask or imagine that you would continue to bless us and use us and send us out now as your holy people to make a difference in the world this week. We ask this all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And it's in that name we pray. Amen. So parents, if you would like, just please come retrieve your children here. And, um, and they have a gift today as well. And that's all. You're good. Good job, Slime.